with you this morning and uh, to be able to look into God's Word together and see what God has to say to us. Now, I don't know where you fall uh, on, the, on a, the spectrum that I'm going to talk about, but uh, for me, I believe, I believe that God is real. I believe that He is alive. I believe that the God that is described in the Bible is the God who exists. And I personally believe that God speaks to people, and when people speaks to God, that he hears them. And I'm convinced of that. That's what I believe. Now, I recognize that there is a wide spectrum in this world in which people fall. Whereas I believe that God exists, and I'm convinced of that, and I believe that he speaks, and I believe that when people speak, he hears them. Other people are not so sure. In fact, I was thinking uh, this week, this week we had the snowstorm that wasn't, right? Uh, most of us l- probably live north of the city. If you live south of the city, you would challenge me on that. But for those of us that live north of the city, we expected on Wednesday morning to wake up and see four, six, eight, ten inches of snow. And we woke up and just saw a dusting. And some kids got you know, a free day out of school with no snow to hold them back. Uh, and I said to someone this week, I said, man, I wish I could have a job like the meteorologist where I could just be wrong all the time and no one would care. And then it occurred to me, a lot of people think I have that job (laughs) or I'm wrong all the time. And there's a wide spectrum between people that are absolutely convinced that God exists and is who he says, is who the Bible says he is. And then he speaks and he hears people. And then there's those that really aren't so sure. But wherever you fall on that spectrum, and I think that spectrum not only exists outside of this room, but I would be willing to guess that that spectrum exists inside this room. And some of us in this room this morning are pretty convinced that God is who he says he is and he exists. And some of us that are in this room this morning aren't so sure. But wherever we fall in between those two points, there's a statement that I believe we would all agree with. And that is, we would all agree with the statement that if God does exist, whether we're 100% sure or whether we're not quite sure, that if God exists, I would like him to speak to me. I mean, for those of us that aren't quite sure whether or not God exists, if God would just break through and say something to you, if he would just speak to you in the midst of everything, it would clear a lot of things up. It would clear up a lot of questions. It would clear up a lot of, a lot of trials. In fact, for some of us, we're walking through a trial or we walk through tragedy and trial and we expected to hear God's voice in the middle of that and we feel like we didn't hear God's voice in the middle of that and so we're battling with whether or not God is real and whether or not we're 100% convinced this morning that he exists or whether we're not quite sure, we all agree that this is true, that if he does exist, we want to hear him speak to us. And for those of us who are in this place that feel like we've heard God's voice before, we would say, I know God exists. I want to hear his voice more. 
I want to hear his voice more clearly. I want to be able to hear his voice more often. I want to be able to know what it is that God is saying to me at all times. But whether we feel like we've heard God's voice before or we don't think we've ever heard it before, there is something inside of you and there's something inside of me that wants to hear directly from God, that if he exists, we want to hear from him. And so this morning I want us to talk about and just consider for the next few minutes together, how can we make 2014, how can we make this year, the year in which we either hear the voice of God for the very first time, or we hear the voice of God more clearly than ever before, and we go deeper in our relationship with God, because that's the word that we always use, isn't it? When we feel like we know God and we believe that he exists, the word that we use when we talk about this idea that we want to hear him speak more is we say, I just want this to be the year that I go deeper in my walk with God. I want to know him more. I want to hear from him more. I want to hear more clearly. I want to hear more often. So how is it that we can go into this year and make this the year that we either hear God's voice for the first time or we hear God's voice more clearly than ever before. And I would submit to you that our ability to hear God's voice, either for the very first time, or more clearly than ever before, and in a greater depth than we've ever heard it before, all hinges on one thing. And when we look at our life, and we look at our world, and we say, there's something inside of me, something that speaks to my significance, something that speaks to my purpose on this earth, something that speaks to my desire to be loved, that wants to hear from God if he's real. And there's one thing in this world that it all hinges on. Our ability to deal with this thing effectively and to deal with it well will make the difference between us being able to hear God's voice for the first time or hear God more clearly or us feeling like we never hear from God at all. And the one thing that we need to learn how to deal with if this is to be the year that we hear from God unlike we ever have before is we need to learn how to effectively deal with the noise. We need to learn how to effectively deal with the noise. And what do I mean by the noise? Well, the noise is made up of two things. The noise is made up of two things. The noise in our lives, the noise in this world is made up of two things. It's made up first of the things that we have to do in life. That the noise that we experience, the noise that exists in this world, is made up of the things we have to do in this life. There are certain things in our lives that we have no choice with, we have to do. We have to sleep, we have to eat, we have to care for our families, we have to work, we live in this part of the country, so we have to sit in traffic. There are certain things that we have to do. We don't really get a choice in those things. They come with the territory. They come with living on this earth. There are things we have to do, and all of those things that we have to do contribute to the noise. But there's a second part to the noise. And this is the part that is the most difficult to deal with. And this is the part that keeps growing and growing and growing and makes our lives noisier and noisier and noisier. Not the things that we have to do, but the things that we think we have to do. This category within the noise of the things that we think we have to do keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger in our world. And it eats up more of our time, and it eats up more of our resources, and it eats up more of what we have to give. 
There's more than ever before that we feel like we have to do. More movies that we feel like we have to see. More TV shows that we feel like we have to watch. uh, More activities that our kids have to be involved in. More causes that we have to stand up for. More classes that we have to attend. There is more and more that we feel like we are supposed to do and we should do and we have to do than ever before. I can remember a time when I was a kid... um, when we had a telephone in our house, I know that probably blows some of you away. We had a phone and it was on the wall and it had a cord attached to the receiver and to the box that was on the wall. And if someone wanted to call us, if someone wanted to reach us, they had to call us at home. That was the only way to do it. And they had to call us at home and that phone would ring. And if no one was home to pick up the phone, remember what used to happen? It would just ring and ring and ring. And it was up to the person that called to figure out a time that they were going to call back and reach us again. And then I remember uh, my dad came home and he had this little white box. And the white box had this little tiny cassette tape in it. And now we had a way that if we weren't home, we had a machine that would pick up the phone for us play a message that we had recorded, and then it would take a message on our behalf. And I remember, I can remember our family getting our first answering machine and trying to figure out what message we wanted to leave, what we were going to say, who was going to say it. And my sisters and I are arguing, we want to be on the machine. And, and, And we left the message and people started leaving messages and everything changed all of a sudden because it used to be that it was the other person's responsibility to reach me. And now all of a sudden when I came home, there was this list of things waiting for me and us to do. And our lives got a little noisier. And then someone came up with an invention uh, that you uh, would clip to your your belt or to your pocket, uh, and it was called a pager. And that way, even if you were out of your house, someone could just let you know that they were really looking for you and needed you to call. So now, it wasn't just when you got home that you had a list of things that you had to do. Now anyone could reach you at any time. And then, of course, we all got our cell phones. And now people know, people know that no matter where we are and no matter what we're doing, they have a way to reach us. If we can't pick up the phone, they'll text us or poke us or prod us or tweet us or whatever, but they can get in touch with us because of our phone. And something happened. Our lives got noisier and we started to think that we have to have this. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, if, I, if we, someone came to us and said, listen, you need to have a communication device that you can have on yourself all the time. We would say, why would I need a communication device on my person all the time? I got the phone at home. If someone needs me, I'll come home and, and we'll, get, we'll get in touch. And somewhere along the line, it moved from us just feeling like we were in fine communication with everybody to feeling like we have to have a device that has 190 ways for people to communicate with us all the time. And this category of things that we think we have to do continues to grow and grow and grow. And the noise is getting louder and louder and louder in our world. And if we want to hear the voice of God, whether you're not even sure if God exists and you want to try and hear it for the very first time, or you've heard God's voice in the past, but you want to make this a year where you hear God's voice more clearly and deeply and more often than ever before, it all hinges on our 
our ability to learn to deal effectively with the noise. It's interesting to find out when you look in the Gospels that Jesus had to deal with a lot of noise. We think of it being such a primitive world and such a long time ago, but even though it was so, such a distant world 2,000 years ago, there are times in Jesus' ministry, throughout his ministry, and we're going to this morning look at a couple of times right away in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, where the noise in his life is getting louder and louder than ever before. And Jesus is God's son sent from God to this earth to do the most important job that has ever been done in the history of of this world. And that is to die on the cross for our sins and raise again from the dead. But for him to complete that mission correctly and effectively, he needed to be in good communication with his father in heaven. He needed to be able to hear his father's voice clearly and often. And in a very deep and profound way. But he had this problem that was happening in his ministry. And that was the noise around him kept getting louder and louder and louder. And you can imagine what happened. When Jesus was 30 years old, about 30 years old, he began his ministry. And so he started going around uh, the area and he was healing people. And people who were blind could now see. And people who had infectious skin diseases were now purified. People who uh, had demons no longer had demons. And he was teaching in the synagogues. And people were listening to his teaching. And they were saying to themselves, this rabbi is teaching at a level that we have never heard before. And so the message started spreading throughout the area so that not just the people in the cities were coming to hear Jesus, but from across the countryside. I mean, you can picture hearing this this message that there is a guy, there is a, a, a rabbi, a teacher named Jesus who is not only teaching at an unbelievable level, but he is healing people of disease. And so you're in the countryside and you would grab your family that needs help, you would grab your relative who needs healing, and you would take everything that you have and you would go and try to find this Man, And so Jesus has this problem where the noise is getting louder and the more he heals and the more he ministers, the more the people keep coming. And I want us to take a brief look this morning at what Jesus does when he is faced with the noise. These verses in, the, in Luke chapter 5, just two verses, Luke 5, 15 and 16. Jesus has just healed a man of leprosy. And leprosy uh, could mean a number of infectious skin diseases. But what would happen is if you had one of these diseases, you were quarantined away from the rest of society. So for this man, not only was the healing of leprosy, meaning that his life was spared and he was not going to lose his limbs and he was not going to live in pain, but he could return home to family and friends that he was not allowed to spend time with. So this was a big deal. God, Jesus heals him, and then Jesus says what he said to a number of people that he healed. He said, do me a favor. Don't tell anyone. And of course, this man went out and did what we would do. Told everybody that he had been healed of this disease. And right after this, in verse 15, Luke writes this. He says, yet the news about him, that's Jesus, spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their 
sicknesses. The more Jesus did, the more people heard about it, and the more people came. And can't you just picture them coming down the roads and over the hillsides? More people that need healing, more people that just want to hear the teaching, more and more people. And the noise in Jesus' life was getting louder and louder and louder. And he had to make sure that as the crowds got bigger and bigger, and as people started to speak more and more to him, that above all the other voices of the people who were coming to see him and the disciples who had their opinions and the political leaders who wanted to put him down, that over all those voices, he was hearing the voice of his father clearly in the midst of the noise. And this is what Luke says Jesus did. The crowds came and he said, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Then when the crowds were their biggest and the noise was the loudest, Jesus left. Got away from it all. Because he knew if he was going to be able to deal effectively with the noise that was happening in and around his life, he had to first get out of there and talk to his father. And not only did Jesus do this reactively, the crowds came and he left, he also did it proactively early on in his ministry in the Gospel of Mark. Mark talks about Simon, uh, one of the disciples. You sang about him earlier in the song. Simon, this is Peter Simon. Simon and some of his companions were looking for Jesus and they couldn't find him. And they're running around frantically because there's these giant crowds and they have these, there's these 12 guys and they're trying, everyone's there to see Jesus. They're trying to do crowd control. They're trying to make sure everyone's happy. They're trying to make sure, uh, you know, no one gets hurt. And they're running around looking for Jesus and they can't find him. And Peter, Simon, finally finds him. And he says in verse 37 there, when they found him, they said to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. It doesn't get much more noisy than that. Everybody they know is looking for Jesus. But why couldn't they find Jesus? Where was he? It says it in the verse right before. Because Jesus had risen very early in the morning while it was still dark. And he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. You see, Jesus knew if he was going to hear the voice of God, he was going to hear the voice of his father, he couldn't remain in the noise. He had to withdraw from the noise. And the noisier it got, the more he withdrew. And he not only did it reactively when the crowds came, he did it proactively so that he would be able to effectively minister and do what God was asking him to do when the crowds were there. And if we want to be able to hear the voice of God, maybe for the very first time in our lives, or maybe you want to hear the voice of God more clearly and more deeply than ever before. It all hinges on our ability to deal properly with the noise and to withdraw from it. But that's not what we do. We don't withdraw from the noise. When life gets busy and when life gets noisy, we realize we have to do something. 
In fact, sometimes I, I, we feel like the victim in like an old zombie movie where, where things just keep coming out of the ground and they're marching slowly towards us and there's nothing we can do and things are coming from all sides and there's a problem at work and there's a problem at home and the bills aren't getting paid and, and we're wondering what's going on with our kid at school and we can never get enough rest and there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done and it's like this impending doom where the noise keeps getting louder and louder and louder and things keep getting busier and busier and busier. And in that moment, we have to decide what we're going to do, but we handle the noise not by withdrawing. We usually do two things. And the first thing that we try to do is we try to escape the noise. We try to do whatever we can within our own power and our own ability to escape the noise and try to outrun the noise and try to get away from the noise and try to just escape it as best that we can. And so we do things um, like take vacations. And we do things like come home from work, grab something to drink, turn on the TV, and just sit there for a while. We do things like turn on the TV, I mean turn on uh, the computer and we get onto Facebook or Twitter, we get on our phones and we get on all the social media sites just to get away from it for a while, just to get away from all of these things, to try and somehow escape the noise. And sometimes it gets so serious and the, and the impending uh, doom is, is so uh, um, serious to us that we take drastic measures and we do things like drink too much and take drugs and gamble our savings away, all in an effort to try and somehow just get away from this and escape the noise. But we all know what happens. We know that our efforts to escape never leave us satisfied. They never solve the problem, do they? Our efforts to escape, they never get rid of the noise. When we log on to Facebook and we jump on all those sites for the social media, we don't get rid of the noise. We just open up a whole new set of noises. And when we, when we drink, when we sober up, the noise is there. When we sleep, when we wake up, the noise is there. When we do all these things to try and get away from the noise, we jog, we, we, we play a game, we do all these things, we watch television to try and get away from the noise. The noise is like this pesky little brother or sister that just is always there and always following us around and it never leaves us alone. And we end up asking God, God, where are you in the middle of all this? Why can I not hear your voice in the middle of all this as we try to escape? Or last year, uh, Lori and I, we spent about nine months sitting down with three uh, families that we're very good friends with and still very good friends with. I have to preface this story with that. Still very good friends with. And we sat down, we planned this vacation together. And we had eight adults and each one of us had a child under the age of two. So it was eight adults and four children. And we rented a house in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, or as I now call it, the Cape, 16 hours away. If, you go to the, if you've never been to the Outer Banks, go to the Cape. You've been there, all right? It's a lot further. So we flew into somewhere in Virginia. I don't remember where. And we drove down to North Carolina. And this was our escape 
We've been planning this for nine months. This was when we were going to get away from the noise. And we're driving down there and everybody's having a good time. And the first thing we did, our introduction to the Outer Banks, was just like going out onto the Cape. There's one bridge to get out there. And we waited in a line for 15 miles to get out to the Outer Banks. And then we got to the Outer Banks. And we all uh, shared a house for a week. And these are some of our best friends even today. But it turned into a reality show real quick. (laughs) There was tension in the house. Uh, People were getting voted out. Uh, We set the grill on fire and almost burned the house down. And at the end of the week, our lives were noisier than ever before. The noise just pursued us. It knew where we were going. And it was waiting for us when we got there. And our efforts to escape did, did nothing. We came back and the, and, and the noise that was, we had left here was still here. And we brought new noise back with us. Because ultimately our efforts to escape the noise leave us unsatisfied. And we can't do it. We can't get away from it on our own. But here's the second thing that we do. We not only try to escape it, and this one I think is key. I think this one is so important to why it's such a struggle for us to try and hear the voice of God. And I'm going to put it the best way that I can figure out how to say it. I don't know how to say it exactly, but this is the best way I can come up with to say it. Rather than withdraw from the noise, we convince ourselves to try and be more productive and get more done within the noise. Does that make sense? Rather than withdraw from the noise, we try and convince ourselves that we can get everything we need to get done and stay within the noise. And so, I mean, it's, it's the reason why, um, you know, we used to think that if you wanted to, to build wealth, you did it over 40 years of time, and then there was a program that made it so you could do it in 10 years and five years, and now you just do it overnight if you just order the program online. Because we try to be more productive within the noise. Things are getting busier and busier and busier. We went from 12-minute abs to 6-minute abs to 5-minute abs to 1-minute abs. Now you just wear a belt that sends electric shocks into your abs, and you get abs. <laughs> right? Because we want to just stay within the noise and be more productive. Just try to get it all done. And so we end up approaching our relationship with God in the very same way. Rather than withdrawing from the noise and getting outside of the noise, we think, I'll stay in the noise and I'll just figure out how to work God into all of this. And what happens is, is we end up with products like this. The One Minute Bible. Because instead of withdrawing from the noise, we say, listen, we'll, we'll try to get everything done and we'll get everything done that I need to do in my life and everything I have to do and everything I feel like I have to do and I'll work God into the mix. And what I'll do is, is all I need to do is I'll just make sure that God gets the best 60 seconds of my day. <laughs> then we say, God, why don't you ever speak? Why don't I feel like I know you? Why don't I feel like I'm growing? There's no shortcuts in intimacy and relationship, right? I mean, imagine if I went to Lori and I said, Lori, 2014 is going to be the best year of our marriage, and here's why. I have decided to allocate you each and every day 60 seconds of time. (laughs) And it will be the best 60 seconds I have. There's 1,440 minutes within the day. You will get the best one 
of my day. There's no growth in relationship there, intimacy there. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. We just try to pack him into what we're doing and everything we're all doing. Stay within the noise and get it all done and just throw him in the mix somewhere. Give him the best 60 seconds of our day. We'll never have the intimacy we desire. The only solution to being able to hear God's voice and to grow in our knowledge and intimacy with him is to withdraw from the noise where nothing else is happening and nothing else is going on and spend time with him. There's no shortcut. There's no quick fix. If we really have this feeling that whether for the first time or we want to hear God's voice or we just want to hear God's voice more, either way, it will only happen when we learn to withdraw from the noise and stop trying to run away and escape it through all these other things and stop trying to be more productive within it and learn to withdraw it. Someone after the first service told me, you know, we get the illusion of discipline when we try to be more productive within the noise, but it actually takes a far greater discipline to withdraw from it and to set that time aside. So what did Jesus do when he withdrew? Because there's our example, right? There's our model. There's three things that Jesus did when he withdrew. And these are the three things that I think we need to do. When we withdraw, when we, if we want to hear God's voice, if we want to hear God talk to us, if we want to go deeper than ever before in our relationship with him this year, there's three things that we need to do. And the first one is we need to go to the kind of places that Jesus went to. The Bible takes that Greek word um, that describes the places that Jesus went to and, and it's translated a number of different ways through the Gospels and, and through different translations. And this is exactly what people... Uh, what what it's described as. I'm laughing because I just got a text message just saying my sermon was great for service. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> that really just happened. Yeah. That's exactly that's what it says. You preached a great message. Think great challenge. Thanks. See? Um... This is the, these are the adjectives that you describe the place Jesus went. Desolate, lonely, wilderness, out of the way, and this is my favorite one, without. It was without everything. Jesus found a place that was without everything, where it was just him and God, where even his disciples had no idea where he was. When everyone was looking for Jesus, they had no idea where he was because Jesus had found a spot that was so out of the way that it was just him and his father so that he could hear clearly and the noise wouldn't interfere. And maybe you get up before everyone in your household and that's your lonely spot or maybe you stay up later than everyone in your household. Maybe you get into the office earlier than everybody else. But whatever it is, we need in our lives desolate, lonely, out of the way places that are without everything except us and God. And we take not this copy of our Bible with us where people can text us and contact us. We take this copy that doesn't ding and doesn't, doesn't show up with pop-up messages. This copy where it's just us and the voice of God. 
That's the first thing that we do. The second thing that we need to do, what Jesus did, is he went to desolate, lonely places. But when Jesus got there, he prayed. He talked to God and listened to God. And I wanted to come up with today some sort of of schedule of what you should do when you withdraw. Two minutes of Bible reading and three minutes of, of prayer. But this is all Jesus did. The Bible says it over and over again. He withdrew to lonely places and all he did was pray. Talk to God and listen for God's voice. So we need to withdraw to lonely places. We need to pray. And the third thing that Jesus did, the Bible says right here in Luke 5, chapter 16, or chapter 5, verse 16, is that he did it often. This was a regular part of Jesus' routine. This was something that his disciples and everyone else knew he always did. If Jesus wasn't around... They knew he was probably off in a mountain somewhere or a garden somewhere alone with the Father. This was part of his regular discipline. And I would think that often for us, that our goal should be daily. That we would daily find some time. And maybe once a month we find, you know, a day. And maybe once a year we find a weekend. I don't, I don't know what, what you feel like uh, you need to be able to withdraw and hear the voice of God. But we need a regular routine where we do this often, where we withdraw from the noise and we talk to God and listen to him so that he can speak to us. If we want to hear God's voice, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. If we want to hear God's voice in 2014, we need to stop trying to just escape the noise and we need to stop trying to be more productive within the noise. We need to learn to do exactly what Jesus did. We need to learn to withdraw from the noise and build that discipline into our life to say some of these things that I think I have to do, I really don't have to do. That I can turn this off and I can turn my TV off and I can turn my computer off and the world's not going to cave in on itself. And I'm not going to miss anything that I have to know right now. Because for a long time we lived where people couldn't reach us every second of the day. And if we want to hear the voice of God, we need to be willing and ready to shut it all down, withdraw from it all, and spend time alone with him. God, would you forgive us for living like this whole world depends on us alone? Would you forgive us for thinking that all these things that we have, that we need to have them. God, call us back to what's most important. God, call us back to spending time with you. Lord, would you rearrange our priorities so that you are number one in our lives and everything else is second. And we would recognize the things of this earth for what they are, just a bunch of noise that will all pass away. And one day it will be silent and it will just be us and you. And all that will matter is if we've dealt with the noise well here and if we've heard your voice and done what you've asked us to do. So God, would you give us the grace that we need and the strength that we need to spend regular time pulling away from it all 
and recognizing that these things that we feel like we have to do are not that important. God, I pray for those who are in here today who are on the, on the point of belief or unbelief because they feel like they expected to hear your voice and they have not heard it yet. God, I pray that as they withdraw into your presence, Lord, that you would be faithful through your spirit to speak to their hearts. And for those who are going through tragedy and trial, God, I pray that they would know that you are still speaking and that you have not given up on them and you have not given up on the situation. But Lord, as we withdraw into your presence, God, would you speak? Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. And Lord, we need your strength to do it. So God, guide us. Help us to be like your son in Jesus' name. Amen.